You ever experienced deja vu? You ever experienced deja vu? Uh, so it is good to be here. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to see smiling faces. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, now to, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23. And as you're turning there, let me ask you a question. You ever been discouraged? <laughs> I'm looking around right now and everybody's smiling, so I'm assuming nobody's dealing with any discouragement in their life. Everybody must be, you know, doing really well. But um, Discouragement comes around way too often, doesn't it? It just, it, it really does. And how do we deal with that? How do we deal with discouragement? And uh, what would the Lord say to us? Well, you know, if, if, if Jesus we're standing next to us and we're feeling discouraged you know what what would he say and um i think that we're going to find out in acts 23. acts 23 i think gives us some direction helps us to understand think about how jesus uh interacts with us you know maybe you're discouraged um maybe you're discouraged with work sounds like i'm getting a little bit of feedback cheryl i don't know if you can hear that or not um maybe you're discouraged because you're getting feedback from uh from <laughs> This, that's just discouraging to me, I guess. Uh, maybe you're discouraged at work. You know, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe work can be discouraging at times. Uh, maybe you get discouraged when the diet doesn't go quite like you had hoped, you know. Maybe, maybe that's discouraging. Uh, what's, discouraged, what's discouraged you lately? I mean, what is it that has been discouraging? And I hope that with that in mind, uh, we can think about um, how Jesus offers you know, the, the comfort that he offers. So let's consider this. I think we're going to find the answer in Acts 23, but let's consider this. The apostle Paul is discouraged. And the first question we should probably ask is, how did or why is Paul, how did he become discouraged? Why is he discouraged? Why is the apostle Paul discouraged? What happened? Well, let's do a quick recap. Let's recap some of the things that have happened in the life of the apostle Paul in the past few years, and as we have, you know, watched his chronicles through his missionary journeys. But we think about what happened on his very, very first missionary journey, very first one. They're, they're just getting started, and Mark abandons them. You know, that's discouraging, right? Because, you know, it, it's like you're ready for this mission trip, you're ready for things to go, and then right off the bat, somebody's already quit the team, you know? And it's like, are you kidding me? So, I mean, here we have, right off the bat, Paul is going to certainly be discouraged uh, with that. And then when he's finished with the first missionary journey, what does he do? He heads back to Jerusalem, and he, he heads to, you know, the churches there. And what's, ha what's happening at the church in Jerusalem? Well, they have to put together this church council because there's division in the church. You know, you have the Gentiles arguing about this, and they have the uh, not, not getting served, and you have the, the Jewish Christians and you it's like this group of Christians versus this group of Christians and Paul gets back and I'm sure that was discouraging you know how do you deal with that and it was keep in mind though that it was saying during that same time what happened James wrote the letter that we see in Acts chapter 15 to the Gentiles he also wrote the book of James to the Jewish believers so James wrote two letters both of them recorded in Scripture and then the apostle Paul did what? He wrote the book of Galatians. 
So all this is going on. He's discouraged. But he wrote the book of Galatians during that time. Then he takes a second missionary journey. And what happens? The whole thing with Mark pops up again, right? Well, I'm not taking Mark with him. He abandoned us last time. He quit on us. I'm not taking him with me. Paul wasn't going to do that. And Barnabas was like, well, he's my nephew. Let, you know, we need to take him. And let's, you know, let's, you know, we need to take him anyway. And what happens? Well, Paul and Barnabas split ways. They were like, all right, you go your way. I'll go mine. And then Paul ends up partnering with Silas. Barnabas takes Mark. So I guess, there's, you know, there's the good thing. Two, two mission trips were the result. Two, two different groups going out. But so Paul's dealing with that, you know, discouragement being resurfaced. And then he sets out on this second missionary journey, and what happens? Doors are closed, and he has to redirect. He has to go somewhere else. He planned on going this way, and the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going this way. I want you to go this way. Now, keep in mind, yeah, you know, there were some great things that happened along the way, and because they changed direction, they met up with Luke, and, and if it weren't for Luke, we wouldn't have the gospel according to Luke. We wouldn't have the very book we're reading. So all of those things happened, but it still doesn't change the fact that I'm sure Paul was a little bit you know, discouraged by some of those things. But at his third missionary journey, you know, and by the way, his second missionary journey, he writes First and Second Thessalonians. Third missionary journey, he's going to write First and Second Corinthians. And then he's so frustrated by this point with how the Jewish people are responding to the gospel. They're, they're, they're hostile toward him. And He's, he's growing in discouragement and frustration from that. So much so that he just says, okay, then clearly God is working with the Gentiles. I'll go and minister to the Gentiles. And that's what he does. Then he heads back to Jerusalem. And then on his way back to Jerusalem, um, he's writing another book. It's the book that we call Romans, the book of Romans. But along the way, everybody's like, I don't know if you need to go back to Jerusalem. Not going to be welcome there. Uh, things are not good. How discouraging is that? Everybody was discouraging him from going back to Jerusalem, saying, now, now's not the time. But people warned him again and again. But he was determined. He was determined to get there. And then when he gets there, Paul determined uh, to meet up with James and some of the other believers, and he met with them. The very next day, he's at the temple. And we're gonna, I'm going to read a small excerpt from 21 before we get to our focal passage in 23. But I want you to listen. So here he is. He's back in, Paul is back in Jerusalem. He's met with some of the Christian believers. And now he's headed to the temple. And we pick up at verse 27 in chapter 21. It says, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, seeing Paul in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Now, that's a laying on hands that is not like, hey, we're going to pray for you. <laughs> this is the old school laying on of hands of, of fighting. You know, they are, you know, I'm going to lay hands on you. They're, they're at odds with each other. So they stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. Now let's just pause there for a minute. You realize that part of this conflict is just because they were going, I bet he did, I bet he took somebody into the temple. You ever, isn't that frustrating? 
Isn't that so frustrating when, you know, no wonder he's so discouraged, you know. He just brings a friend from Ephesus with him to Jerusalem, and everybody's like, I bet he even took that Gentile into the temple. No evidence of it. Nobody saw him actually in there. They just, they just have made it up in their minds that I'll bet he even did this. You know, they just don't like Paul. And now they're, in their minds, they've escalated all these accusations against him. That's so frustrating, isn't it? It's discouraging. I've been there. I've dealt with people who are, oh, I bet, I bet he's also done this. And it's like, what are you doing? Why, why, would, you, why would you just add to an already tense situation? Oh, but they're frustrated with Paul for things he didn't even do. And then we pick back up. What happened? All the city, verse 30, and all the city was disturbed. And the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. Now, as they were seeking to kill him, what? Listen, they, were, they weren't just going to lay hands on him, rough him up a little bit send a message they were they were like let's now why was that what what were they trying to do keep in mind 30 years have gone by since the resurrection of christ 30 years have gone by and they have seen the way they have seen the church content known as the way they see the church continuing to grow and they tried to put a stop with it with with crucifying jesus and then it just exploded into growth so they're thinking Paul is doing all these things, and he's traveling, and he's back in Jerusalem. This is our chance to once and for all give a final blow to Christianity. That's their goal. Their goal is to give a, such a blow to Christianity that it puts a stop to this, this growth. And that's what they're after. Okay? So they're, listen, they're not interested in roughing him up. They want to kill him. So now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Now, who is that? Who is the commander uh, of, of the garrison? Well, that's going to be your Roman government. Okay, you keep in mind you have the Jewish government, which is your local government. It's run by the local you know, religious leaders and so forth. But then over them, you have a larger Roman government. And they heard news. News came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the, isn't that how it works? You know, you're getting beat up, you're, getting, you're already discouraged, you're getting beat up, and then somebody comes along and it's like they back off. You know, and it's like, oh, we can't let anybody see what we're doing. You know, and uh, so they backed off from him. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried with one thing and some another. So here he is. He's made his way back to Jerusalem. He's been doing all these missionary journeys, and now he's at the temple. And lo and behold, they attack him, start beating him up, drag him out of the temple. They're ready to kill him. But now the Roman government comes in, and it's like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? That's everybody's, everybody's, what's, what's going on? And then they just arrest Paul. Clearly, he's the one that everybody's focused on. We don't know what he's done yet. Roman government, they don't have a clue. They don't know what's going on. But they're saying, we're going to arrest this guy, and then we're going to find out, you know, what he has done. 
So the commander came near, took him, commanded him to be bound with two chains, asked him who he was, what he had done, and some among the multitude cried one thing, some cried another, so they couldn't get an answer. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people followed after, crying out, away with him. Boy, that's discouraging, isn't it? I mean, we see all these things that were in and of themselves seem like, well, that's discouraging. But then it's one thing after another, after another, after another. And if you've ever struggled with depression, ever struggled with, you know, ever struggled with just discouragement, it's, it's the compilation of all those things that sometimes mounts. And then you get to your breaking point. And you get to a point where it's like, huh, you know, what do I do? I don't know. I, I don't even know if I can go on. This is so discouraging. And it's so frustrating that every single turn is being met with opposition. And Paul then shares his testimony. Here's what he thinks. You know, it says, um, you know, he, everybody's like away with him. And, they, and then Paul is like, tells the, tells the guard, like, listen, if I, could just, if I could just tell the people my story, if I could just share my testimony with them. And that's what Paul sets out to do. Paul's thinking, I'll just tell them about Christ. I'll, I'll share the gospel with them. And then he asked if he could share the testimony, his testimony with the crowd. And here's what Paul does. And it's brilliant. He decides, I'm going to speak to the crowd, but I'm not going to even speak to them in Greek. I'm going to, I'm going to speak to them in Hebrew. And then what we have in chapter 22 is the Apostle Paul sharing his testimony with that crowd in his native language. And he's thinking, all right, maybe this, maybe this will reach them. You know, even after he's been beaten by these people, even after he's been attacked by these people, even after they've had him arrested, all of these things happen. He's still thinking, how can I get the gospel to them? But I want you to consider a few things about Paul's circumstance. His greatest desire was simply to share the gospel with the Jewish people in hopes that they would come to Christ. That was his greatest desire. I mean, he wanted to see that more than anything. And every time he took a mission trip, he was like stopping at all the synagogues and he was doing everything that he could because he wanted to see uh, his, his brothers from his race accept the Lord. And that's, it was a burden of his, a desire of his. Yet, every time he did it, it was met with extreme hostility. The Roman guard kept rescuing Paul. He would, he would be in situations where the Jewish people were attempting to kill him and it would take the Rome, Roman government to come in and do something and step in. And why would they do that? I mean, why were they concerned? Well, the Roman government, they did, especially those like the, you know, the garrison, the, you know, the commander there, he didn't, he didn't want someone to die on his watch because then, you know, something, then it's, you know, hey, what did you do to allow this to happen in your district? And so the Roman government wouldn't tolerate that, and he could potentially lose his job. So he's like, I've got to keep peace, and I've got to do everything I can. And then the Apostle Paul, he'd probably beaten himself up too, right? 
Isn't that what we do when we're discouraged? We start beating up ourselves and thinking things like, you know, why did I say that? You know, why did I do you know, if I just, If I just kept my mouth quiet, none of this would have happened. You know, if I had just, you know, and then you start second-guessing everything you've done, right? It's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have. In fact, I began to think about Paul, and here's what he's probably doing. Oh, I, here I was trying to connect with them, and I was speaking in the Hebrew language, and then I, then I went and said that God had called me to, to reach the Gentiles. Oh, that didn't help matters. The Gentiles, oh, and that, that, that set them off. And maybe, you know, maybe Paul's just second-guessing himself, you know, at this point. He's just depressed, dealing with all these things. Let me tell you how intense it was. In chapter 23, where we're, where we're headed, 40, 40 of those Jewish leaders who were ready to beat up the apostle Paul and, and see him killed, 40 of them, this is, by the way, this is in verse 12 and following, 40 of them took an oath about Paul. And they said, we're not going to eat and drink. We're not going to drink and eat until we kill him. Motivation, isn't it? I mean, you're, not, you're just vowing to say, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to drink anything. Your one goal is to see to it that he is dead. That's discouraging. Here, here's the point I want you to see. Paul is at an all-time low. All of these things building on one another have brought Paul to this point of exhaustion and discouragement. 